So I admit it, this is the third time I've recorded this podcast. The first time I recorded it in the Land Rover as I headed over to the Hearing Dogs, only to discover in the playback, my Land Rover has developed a clunk. A very loud, very annoying clunk. And it's certainly, or almost certainly, to do with the clutch pedal, which means it happens quite a lot on the road between Haddenham and uh, my client. That's a 20-minute run with lots of junctions and small lanes. So every 10 seconds or so, clunk. Now, I know it's not unusual for a Land Rover to make noises, but it is unusual for it to be as loud as it was and for it to even irritate me. Uh, So I ditched that and I recorded this, this podcast again yesterday. I got up really early, I went down the studio, 6 o'clock, 6.30 in the morning, had a bit of uh, porridge for my breakfast, a cup of coffee, and recorded it. In the playback for that one, it sounded like I'd been drugged. It was clearly way, way too early in the morning for me to be recording a podcast. And it didn't help that I'd uh, read an article on how to articulate clearly when recording a podcast. And I think I had that in my mind, which meant that I was speaking slowly, albeit clearly, and it really did sound like someone had passed me something suitably druggy. So this is the third time. And here goes. I'm going to go back to being unintelligible. I'm so sorry. I'm going to speak quickly like I always do, but I am going to do it without a repeating clunk. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Hello, one and all. Uh, I'm sorry this podcast is so late. It was partly because it took me a while to record it, uh, as in in to get round to recording it. And then on top of all of that, it turns out uh, I needed a couple of goes at it. (laughs) And I know know I'm the one that says, don't worry about the quality of your work, just get it out there. uh, Because actually, the more you worry about it, the less you'll produce, the less you produce, you're just going nowhere. And we're always, all of us, insecure about what we produce or what we create. But in this particular instance, it really wasn't something I wanted everybody to hear. Not unless you wanted some way of going to sleep of an evening. Now, of course, right now, this is Saturday, uh, this afternoon, our Prime Minister, our beloved, intelligent leader of a politician is about to make an announcement that is almost certainly going to mean that November doesn't exist. In any meaningful sense, it's simply going to be wiped off the calendar. Uh, We're going to be locked in our homes. We're not allowed to go anywhere. There certainly won't be any photography. There definitely won't be any weddings. So it's going to be an interesting month. But on the upside of that, maybe I will get to record a few more podcasts. Uh, Big news. Let's get the big news out of the way. A couple of weeks ago, I won not one, but two awards. Now, in the first two times I recorded this podcast, this news was buried about halfway in. And I thought about that and I thought, you know what? Think like my American friends. Instead of thinking like a British photographer, very subdued, very modest, not really wanting to, you know, blow my own trumpet too much. Nope, I'm going to do it like the Americans do. My friends in America would do it exactly this way. They would sing it from the rooftops and be proud. And I think, I think I need to take a leaf out of their book. I was awarded at the Master Photographers Association, the International Photography Awards. I won the title of Portrait Photographer of the Year. And I'm really happy about that. And so I thought for once I will actually tootle that from the rooftops right at the beginning of the podcast. I will put a copy of the picture that won 
uh, in the show notes. It also won Classical Portrait Photographer of the Year uh, and then went on to win the category, the category title of Portrait Photographer of the Year. And I'm really, really pleased and very proud, (laughs) I have to say, Uh, mostly because this year, of all the things that's happened this year, we have had the most incredible clients, each and every one of them, almost to a T. It's just been a luxury that although the year has been tricky and when the weddings disappeared, you wrote off half the revenue of our business. And for some wedding photographers, it must be even more catastrophic. This has not been an easy year. Uh, But on the flip side of that, the clients we have had have just made us laugh. They've made us smile. They've brought joy. They've brought tears. Uh, We had a client in this week who is someone I've been trying to persuade to get in front of the camera for me for probably six years, seven years, I think. And this week we did it. She looks incredible Um, in the playback of the images. Even we, myself and Michelle and Sarah, are tearing up on her behalf because The change in her confidence in this time has just been remarkable. She's an incredible lady. She's smart. She's funny. She's just so lovely. Uh, And the pictures of her are beautiful. That one, I'm going to write a blog about that on paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. If you want to head over there, that's my mother website. So one of the problems we've always had with mastering portrait photography is how do I fit all of these bits of the puzzle together? And so we have our normal website which is where I work. Uh, that's called paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. And whenever I've, of course, whenever I've given out my email address, that is the one. It's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. You can head over there and that's where you'll see our client-facing work. Uh, so for this particular story, I'm going to put that onto the blog over there uh, rather than on masteringportraitphotography.com, which is our education arm. So when uh, I set up masteringportraitphotography.com, when I built the site, I wanted it to be all about learning, all about development. I wanted it to be lots of the things that I've learned along the way. And so we've separated those two things out. And in the middle of all of this sprung this our podcast. So forgive me if there's all these little bits and pieces. But anyway, this year has been incredible. And the reason I'm so pleased to win the award is because the lady in that shot, she's, we're trying to, I don't know her age. I think she's in her 70s. And I I hope that's right. She's enjoying a cigarette lying on our chaise long. But the backstory is that it was a family shoot. I was photographing her granddaughter who had graduated with a master's in law. And so the whole family came. And during this shoot, Carol, the lady in the shot that won, just made me laugh. She was funny. She was sassy. She gave me a proper run for my money. And at some point during this, she said, I need a cigarette. And that's just, is to a photographer, music to my ears. Now, I know Not everyone agrees with smoking, if I'm honest, nor do I. I don't like it. I don't like the smell of it. Certainly don't appreciate the cost of it. I've never smoked. So being around smokers isn't something I particularly relish. But as a photographer, the storytelling, when somebody is so happy, so happy to have that cigarette, who am I to argue? I saw what the shot could be. We brought out the chaise. We lit it. And it was just a magical moment. And I think we're going to do a write-up on this image for Professional Photo Magazine. So look out for that uh, probably in a month or two. It won't be in the next couple of issues. We've got other stories going out uh, in there. And so the reason I'm really pleased is it was just one of our clients. And we actually had, I think, four finalists 
and a total of 18 merits uh, went through, which is actually the highest we've ever had. And each and every image that went through, each and every image that performed well, each and every moment that I captured was simply a moment with our clients. They're just the people who've made what I do such an absolute joy, such an absolute pleasure, in spite of everything that's going on uh, this year, in spite of everything that's about to happen at four o'clock this afternoon, this Saturday. Um, you know, it's just been a wonderful, wonderful year. And so that's why I'm so pleased. Uh, so have a look in the show notes for a copy of that picture. Uh, funny story, during the award ceremony, of course, it was on Zoom this year. So it wasn't quite as glitzy and glamorous as it has been years gone past, which is a shame because it would have been lovely to have been in a very large room of people drinking champagne. But never mind, it was myself and our daughter Harriet, because uh, Jake's now gone to uni and Sarah had gone down to Plymouth to see her family. So it's just me and Harriet sitting in the lounge on a Zoom call. <laughs> Harriet's choosing what we're going to have for dinner from the Thai curry menu takeaway, and I'm watching the screen to see what's going on. Uh, not really expecting, if I'm honest, to be called to say anything, but of course having one, I didn't know I'd won, but having won something, they flicked my camera on, unmuted my mic, and I had to say a few words. No big deal, except that at the end of all of this, I turned the laptop to Harriet to show her what we'd won. And of course, myself and H, we're talking, we're really laughing, and it's great, we're really celebrating. Dad, Dad, should we have some champagne? Um, and also, what do you want for your curry? At which point, out of my ear, I heard, Paul, please could you turn your microphone off? <laughs> Oops. Uh, not only had I shared the sight of Harriet sitting choosing uh, our curry for the evening, but I'd also shared the audio of myself and her chatting away. The Oscars, it was not. It was one of those moments that it's just like, oh, you can see after even a year of having to do everything on Zoom, I'm still no good at it. But never mind. Uh, I, I don't, I'm hoping that isn't what everyone will remember. I'm hoping what people will remember is that I produced an image to be truly uh, pleased with. Uh, lots of stuff going on the past couple of weeks, mostly portrait shoots and headshot shoots. Again, another good thing that's come out this year, although, you know, it's really hard to pitch this. I've said this before um, in that our business has been really badly impacted by the COVID restrictions, just like every photographer. But that's not to say there aren't things to celebrate. And so I'm going to stay on the positive end and keep celebrating it because our clients, our headshot and portrait clients have carried on coming to us. And in fact, I'm doing more headshots now than ever. And I love it because really, if you think about it, a headshot is just a very particular form of a portrait. It is a portrait. It's a very pure form of a portrait. In fact, it's the bit of portrait photography that I love the most. It's taking a picture of someone's face, their expressions, their character, their personality, their intelligence, their likability, whatever it is. And you, and you can almost hear these keywords when uh, business corporate or business uh, purposed headshots are requested. You know, I say to them what you want and they say, make me look approachable, trustworthy, intelligent, someone you'd like to do business with. And you can pretty much write down those keywords. Obviously, if I'm shooting for a dating site or if I'm shooting for an author or I'm shooting for uh, musicians or something, that's slightly different. But on the whole, people want to look like they want to look, they want to be photographed in a way that other people are going to like it. That's essentially my gig. And I absolutely love it. And if you think about it, the Mona Lisa is nothing more than a very painterly headshot. So if it's good enough uh, for Da Vinci, then it's good enough for me. Uh, and I've just been having a ball. 
The reveals have all gone well, plenty of tears, plenty of beautiful pictures, and more than anything as well, lots of our clients from years gone by have come back this year. And so we've had a chance to spend time with so many of our wedding clients from the past decade. They've come with their families, they've come to have headshots, we've got the wedding clients from next year have come to do headshots as well. It's just been magical. So that bit of our business, if I could boil that, if I could not boil it, if I could take that out of the current context this would have been an incredible year. Though obviously we still have the challenges of making up 50% of our revenue, which was our wedding business. Uh, But we're working on it. Things are not going to be as easy or as profitable as they have been, but we have to stay positive and we have to stay energetic because why else? Why else would clients come to us? So if I let us get down, if I let the business be sad or miserable about everything that's going on around us, then I can guarantee one thing, which is we will have no clients. So uh, myself, Sarah, Michelle, we're working really, really well as a team to keep the positivity. And of course, this week with the news breaking about my award, that's just been brilliant because it was picked up not just by the news within our area, but it was also picked up by the BBC. And that ended up everywhere. And thank you to everyone that's left us beautiful comments about it. Thank you to everyone who has messaged us. Uh, and in particular, a quick thank you. I don't know if Lance and Lauren listen to this podcast, but if they do, thank you for the bottle of bubbly that you sent over. A really beautiful bottle of English bubbly night timber, uh, which I am looking forward to drinking. In fact, it might be tonight. Uh, but more importantly, congratulations on the arrival of your little baby, Amelia. I cannot wait to meet her. And I know we're hoping to do that in the next few weeks, but my suspicion is with the lockdown coming, uh, that might have to be delayed. So I'm just passing on a really heartfelt thank you from myself, from Sarah and from Michelle for just being the most lovely client uh, and the most lovely people. Uh, right. So on to the actual topic of this particular podcast. And this topic came up because I was recalling when I was a professional musician I was a half-decent drummer, not a great drummer, not a brilliant drummer, but a good enough drummer. Um, I had a reasonably good sense of rhythm. I could sight-read, and when I played slowly, or when I played quietly, rather, I didn't slow down. And these are core skills for a drummer, and so I found myself doing bits and pieces, a few bits of studio work, recording with bands. And so we'd go into a rehearsal studio. If I was working with a band, it would be hot, it would be sweaty. Back in those days, it would have been smoky too, because this is going back before the smoking bands, and every band member smoked, apart from me, probably. Um, so it's rich. The air is thick and gloopy with cigarette smoke and the smell of lager, the smell of sweat. The mirrors that they have, they always have one wall. It's like a ballet studio, really, so that you're rehearsing for a live performance. Of course, you've got a wall of mirrors. They're all smoky and the, the silver on the back is all cracked. <laughs> these, these were not posh recording studios that I was working in, uh, but they were very effective. So we would spend a day maybe laying down tracks, maybe three or four different songs. And then later in the evening, you know, maybe maybe sort of six o'clock, we'd head into the mixing room to mix them down. Now, the mixing room, a mixing room in a studio is essentially somewhere where the sound is as perfect as they can get it. Every budget has a different you know, amount of this, but the recording studios we were in generally had a really good mixing room. And that meant the acoustics in there were fantastic and the equipment in there was fantastic. And we'd play back the track and we could hear everything. Every little squeak of a drum pedal, twang of a guitar. If, if somebody had a squeaky guitar knob, we could hear it. If somebody 
push their pedals too hard, we could hear it. You know, every single sound was apparent in the mix. And that's how we do it. We'd check all the levels. We'd work out the level of the drums. That was a bit, of course, that I was interested in, how that balanced with the guitar, and then how the two of us locked against the rhythm guitar, how my hi-hat played against those rhythms and those sounds. If there's a keyboard part, which bit of the drums maybe balanced off against that, different bits of the song, and then we bring in the lead guitars and the vocals. And the whole thing would emerge out of these speakers. And it's the most fantastic feeling. It's a little bit like compositing an image and gradually you build it up and there it is in front of you. And it's just glorious. But the problem is in a studio that the sound is so good and you hear the music over and over and over that you need to find some separation. And so we'd all trundle out into the chilly air of a cold car park and sit in one of the guys Ford Sierras or Ford Capris or whatever car it was that they had with them with a decent tape deck. We would dump the track in the in the mixing room down to a cassette and we would stick it in the car tape deck and we would all cram into a car usually three of the guys would be having a cigarette there'd be five of us in the car and we'd listen to the track on the car stereo trying to hear it over the sound usually over the sound of the heater fan because it'd always be cold and we'd listen to it we might listen to a couple of other tracks that we'd done or listen to the tracks of another band that was in a similar genre to us so that we could sort of baseline it and then we'd listen to our track and see if we could hear what it was we wanted to hear ideally Ideally, we'd spend, we'd, we'd wait a week or maybe two weeks before doing this and then go back into the mixing room again because the best thing for getting at some kind of objective view is time. But when you're working under pressure in a recording studio, you don't have time. You've paid for 10 hours or 12 hours or whatever it is and you are going to make the most of every single second. So even sitting in the car, we knew we were burning our budget sitting in a cold car park. But if we didn't do it, we ran the risk of thinking the mix sounded beautiful and everything, everything sounds beautiful in a mixing room. Everything sounds amazing. You could drop a cymbal and it would sound incredible in a mixing room because that's what they're for. Whereas we needed to know it sounded great on a cassette in a, or a cheap cassette on a cheap player in somebody's car because that in the end was probably how the music would be listened to. That memory got me thinking, Every time I retouch an image or every time we retouch an image, we're essentially in a mixing room because the monitors are calibrated. I've got beautiful, I've got an iMac 5K and alongside this, I've got a beautiful Adobe RGB BenQ monitor, both of which are calibrated. They have, do have slightly different colours. They do have slightly different foibles on the sharpness, but they're both calibrated and the images on, particularly on the iMac, always look stunning. The BenQ monitor is a little bit more accurate. Uh, if I get them to look beautiful on there, they're probably they're going to look really good everywhere else. But that's still not how the client is going to see them. So I'm busily producing these images, and then I'll publish one to Instagram, for instance, and the various foibles of the stages that Facebook applies to an image before it goes onto the feed mean that it, for instance, blocks up the blacks. Quite often when I'm looking at an image on my monitor, beautiful tones in the blacks really clean. You can see all of the gradations. You can see the separation from my subject to the background. And then I put it onto Instagram. It just looks like one lump of black. Um, and I've checked. My iPhone's calibrated pretty well. My iPad's calibrated pretty well. But still, there are different things that happen to the images in their lifespan that mean you need to check them on different platforms. And that's the analogy I'm drawing. You need to find a way with a photograph 
of doing the equivalent of sitting in a Ford Capri in a car park, a smoky Ford Capri in a car park, listening to the track. You need to find something that has that separation. The best separation of all is time. And you know this, right? If you go back to a folder that you created, a folder of images you created maybe a year ago, you'll see completely different things in there. You'll find images that you never knew you'd taken. I have a folder sitting right now on our hard drives that I pulled back from about eight years ago, which is a shoot I did at the Crazy Bear with a hair salon that we've done a ton of work with, some models, there was floristry, there's styling, there are dresses. It was just fantastic. And we've used those images everywhere. But I happened to trip over the folder the other day and found images I did not even know I'd taken. And they're, they're beautiful, you know? They're different to the images we use. They're probably, at the time, I was probably baselining the images against what I had in my head. Well, of course, that's stupid, right? We've talked about this before, that I'm always disappointed at the end of the shoot because what was in my head and what I've seen on the back of the camera, they're not the same thing. So when I'm selecting the pictures, probably I've been looking for the things that I thought I was trying to take. But going back eight years later, there are images in there that I didn't even know I'd grabbed. And they're great. They're raw they have a energy about them. And I'm really hoping if I get the time of, well, as <laughs> if we get the time, we're probably going into a lockdown. I'll find the time. Then I might just drag those images out and produce the images that nobody ever saw just for the sheer joy of it. Uh, they're probably not going to be used anymore because the crazy bear is no longer like that. You know, the fashions in the dresses have changed, but still, they're still interesting images. And so I'm really kind of stoked about that. I'm really looking forward to having a look at them. But of course, when you're up against a deadline, and we're always, as a professional photographer, we're always up against a deadline. You do not have the luxury of saying to your client, can you just wait a year? That's just not realistic. It's not even realistic to wait a couple of days. You're going to have to make your judgments as fast as you can. It's exactly the same as we were in the studio. We had 12 hours of studio time and that was that. I have the same thing with my clients. I have until tomorrow. So at some point in the, in the process, I've got to find ways of seeing the image in a manner that is going to be much closer to how others are going to see it. So I put it onto my iPhone, I put it onto my iPad, I put it onto different monitors, I will look at it on a browser. Firefox, Opera and Google Chrome all show the images slightly differently. And If I'm honest, Firefox doesn't do a particularly good job of it. And that's quite useful because I can look at lots of other images, let's say on Instagram, drop mine into the mix and see how it looks to check that Everything's working the way I think it should. It's not always the nicest process. Sometimes you realise you've got it wrong and you're going to have to go back and make sure the edits are right. Sometimes you find tiny little defects that you didn't see before and go back and fix them. I will also, if, I, if it's a really important image, I will print it or I'll print a portion of it. So if it's an image that's going to be blown up really big, I might just print the most critical bit, let's say somebody's face. I'll print it quite big. The set, I'll print it so that the eyes are the same size as they're going to be on the final image on a wall or on a bus, whatever it is. Um, and I'll make sure the sharpness is just right. I can't quite... <laughs> I don't have a printer that will print the size of a wall. I can get up to about A2. But I will print our files. And if it's a beautiful print, I'll print it for me. I'll print it to fill A2. I'll file that away. We've got a great big box of prints. And whenever I'm out on the road... Yeah, remember those days when I was out on the road doing presentations? I would take this box with me. I would take a lot of stuff with me. Yeah, I'd take uh, framed prints. 
I would take mounted prints from my various panels. I'd take our book. And the thing that most photographers were intrigued by was a big box of A2 prints. There's something about it. We love to see the detail in the images. And so I'll print it that way just to check things like the sharpness is good. There's no defects I've missed. Um, the one that causes me more pain than anything else is banding. You get banding. I love a, grid, I love a graded background, but that introduces banding if you're not incredibly careful, even at 16-bit you still get banding. And so producing your images in different ways, having a look at it is as close to being objective about it as you can be without having a year to spare. It's exactly the same as sitting in that smoky Ford Capri at midnight in a car park in West London, listening to your music on a cheap cassette player. And that is my point for this particular podcast. I hope I've delivered it now with a little bit of energy. <laughs> the thing is, if you're hearing this, I have. If you're not hearing this and you're listening to another version, version four, then I haven't. I'm really hoping that um, it's coming out all right. I am sitting in our bedroom in our little cottage down the road from the studio because the sun is shining. It's my day off. Uh, the weather hasn't been particularly kind, but right now the sun is shining beautifully, beautifully through our cottage windows. Uh, the sound in our room is really, really dead. With a little bit of luck, with a little bit of luck, this is the podcast you are listening to. Uh, if you've enjoyed this podcast, version three uh, of this particular podcast, then please do subscribe. Head over to whatever is your podcast player of choice and hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to leave us a review, we would love it if you did. I say this every single episode. It's so lovely when people leave us reviews. I think iTunes is the best place to leave them, if you don't mind, uh, simply because it, it puts them all in one place and then we get to read them. I don't get to respond. Unfortunately, there's no way of responding. I think that's a real shame uh, and a flaw in iTunes model, but never mind. Uh, thank you to everyone who has left reviews. Uh, they are read. We read all of them and we pay attention to all of them. So thank you to everyone who does, but please head over there. Uh, please do share the podcast. Please let your friends know about it because we'd love it to grow. I've got some really cool interviews coming up. Uh, on that note, actually, I was interviewed the other day. It was actually uh, one of my clients, a guy called Phil Rose, who uh, started a company called Ignium. And Ignium is a consultancy that helps businesses find their mojo. Fantastic company, all about brand, all about the language and the stories and positivity and energy. And so I thought he'd be great to interview, but it didn't quite work that way. Even though it was me in the end that recorded it, uh, it was Phil Rose interviewing me. So I think he's going to produce that as two half-hour episodes and when they come out, I'll repeat them here uh, on this particular channel. Uh, but I've got some amazing people coming on the podcast over the coming weeks and months, uh, assuming that we can do that. I don't like doing Zoom interviews or telephone interviews. I really like to sit with someone and have a cup of coffee, even if we have to do it at two metres or more. Uh, that's not a problem. Uh, the, cable, the mic cables are long, but then at least I get really lovely audio. So until then, stay positive, test negative and be kind to yourself. Take care.